You're listening to Thinker's What Works podcast. I'm Jason Todd with my co-host, Alex Gary, and today, Michael Dermer, author of The Lonely Entrepreneur and founder of The Lonely Entrepreneur Community. Today, lessons from his entrepreneurial journey and things that may make you successful. All right, so today we are joined by Michael Dermer, the Lonely Entrepreneur. That's the that's the book you wrote. That's, I'm sure that's not the title that you that you want to go by. We'll go with, <laughs> we'll is, go with Michael. That is the book. <laughs> I'm the, I guess I'm the founder of the Lonely Entrepreneur. That'd be good to know. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, and that's a book. And now it's it's a it's a bigger movement to uh, connect uh, entrepreneurs up with the resources to be better entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It would, you know, it started with the Lonely Entrepreneur, but then we. Uh, we're really trying to be a central destination for entrepreneurs that really understands that that struggle uh, and then provides them with solutions. Nice. Well, do you like being on this side of the podcast? Because I was looking at your site today, and uh, you do a lot of podcasting with entrepreneurs. So, which side do you, would you rather be on? You know, listen. I always enjoy interviewing entrepreneurs. You know, you get to hear all these war stories of you know how they've been there and how they've made it and the struggles along the way. So it's always uh, it's always fun to be asking the questions. <laughs> Well, your your story is interesting because you you founded this Incent One, right? And um, I was reading it. You know, it's you break it down to a paragraph. It took you what ten years of bootstrapping it before you you got uh, a major investment, correct? Yeah, you know, I was a corporate lawyer at a pretty prestigious New York law firm, and I left to start what got to be known as the first company to reward people for being healthy. And it took us the better part of a decade, uh, not all bootstrapping. I mean, in the beginning it was, but then we got a little bit of outside capital, but not too much. But it was really trying to convince the healthcare industry that we were going to pay people who were being the unhealthiest, um, which <laughs> didn't exactly happen overnight. So, yeah, it took us about 10 years. And then um, in 2008, when we really kind of made it, um, we were a $60 million company, a couple hundred employees. We almost got destroyed overnight by the financial crisis. Um, and then it took us two years to basically save what it took us 10 years to build. And fortunately, we were able, able to do that and then uh, stabilize it. And then there was a lot of interest in that area in healthcare, And we got bought and it worked out terrific. But it was a pretty wild ride. <laughs> well, when I was reading it, it, the thing that jumped out at me is that it took you 10 years. I mean, is that one of the issues with entrepreneurs who don't make it is that they, they expect instant success? I think today it's very different. I think back then we knew we had a long play, but we also knew that the healthcare system had real issues and that rewarding people was going to be there. Um, but today, I think the issue is really speed. Like a business like mine couldn't survive today um, because with the technology and the advent of capital and how easy it is for us to start a business these days, there's no way people get the 10 years to be able to do it. So I think today the issues are much different. Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, back when I started my business in the early 2000s, uh, while, you know, there was technology and capital, it wasn't like it is today where there's just so much technology. It makes it easy to start a business and to compete in any other industry. So I think we got a longer period of time to be able to do it. But certainly entrepreneurs today, you know, have to be able to move fast. You know, any of us can be in any business anywhere in the world. And I think because of that, the challenges that existed then um, were different than the challenges that existed now. My business, which took us 10 years to build, and we really had a, uh, a vision on what long-term we could, could work, I don't think my business would have uh, flourished today just because of the nature of the, the environment. So through the Lonely Entrepreneur, how many entrepreneurs do you talk with uh, on a weekly, monthly basis? You know, it's one of the best things about doing it and one of the reasons why we did it. You know, I'm probably talking to both through our community and just through my 
kind of travails. I probably talked to over the course of a month, probably a hundred entrepreneurs. Um, obviously we have it as part of the, our community, but, but even just in the things like the book stuff that we do, um, co-working space relationships and relationships with universities. I mean, that's why we did this. You know, our mission was that, you know, we were fortunate enough to make it through our scenario and sell a business. And it's great to be able to try to incrementally help entrepreneurs have a better chance of success. And those, as you guys know, those hundred stories are all unique, even though it's entrepreneurism. Um, they're all kind of fraught with everybody's kind of loneliest day and happiest day and, and everything in the middle. So of those, in those hundred uh, stories that you, you get to interact with every month, uh, what, what are the common themes that you hear and, and respond to? I'd say there's probably, you know, three themes. One is differentiation. You know, uh, how do you differentiate, you know, in this day and age when you've got so much technology and so much capital and if a market's interesting enough, anybody can be in it anywhere throughout the world, like I said before. That's number one. Number two is, you know, the money stuff. There are a lot of people who are chefs and fashionistas and doctors that have a, and even technologists that have a quote-unquote skill. And that's very different from, you know, melding it into a business. Um, and then I think third is just being able to manage feeling overwhelmed, right? Uh, entrepreneurism, as we all live and breathe, right, is this kind of complex soup of personal, professional, financial, emotional, you know, everything thrown in together. How do you dissect all that and figure all that out uh, in such a way that you can try to move your business forward? Those are probably the three themes I hear the most. When talking about differentiating what are some of the tips uh, you talk you talk to entrepreneurs? Is it a matter of market more market research or being able to pivot? I mean, what are some of the keys to to figuring out if you have a product that's going to be able to sell? I know for us, we always talk about uh, finding a playground where nobody else is playing. So if you assume as entrepreneurs we have less capital and less resources than other bigger or more entrenched players, you know, if we're a PR firm, we can't just show up at the trade show where all the other PR firms are. So it's really about defining a playground where you're the only one there, right? So you can say, I want a car club for men. Um, and somebody would say to you, well, there's plenty of car clubs for men. Um, but what about a car club for women in Nashville? And you go, wow, maybe there isn't one of those. So uh, I think you really have to define your own playground, um, even if it's a niche, and then be the only one that's playing in that playground. That's really the piece of advice we give to most entrepreneurs. The money stuff is interesting because um, the next podcast we're doing is with one of our favorite clients, and um, he'd be, he's been in his particular business for almost over 25 years now. Uh, and until he came to us, he didn't even, he didn't know his own numbers well enough. Um, it, to me, it was amazing that somebody could stick around for 25 years um, without really knowing you know what each job cost. Is that something that you see from a lot of people? Incredibly common and, and shockingly surprising, right? Um, you have so many people that have like some of the skills that I mentioned before that have never heard of an income statement, right. Or a cash flow statement. Uh, and it's almost like, you know, painting your house without having the foundation of your house. Um, but in all fairness, you know, there's a lot of people that have those types of skills. You know, if you're a heart surgeon, right. And now you're opening up a doctor's office, very, very different skills. Um, I hope that what people are able to do is recognize where they have skills and where they don't have skills and where they can supplement it. Um, but it is shocking. I would say probably 50% of the people that you interact with don't, don't have a uh, kind of a foundational sense of what financial statements and cash flow really do to a business. Well, that, that affects you when you try to scale, right? If you want to go get money, you need those kind of numbers. 
you know, it really affects you at every step of the way, right? It steps you in setting goals, even for your first six months, right around the budget. It, it certainly affects fundraising. It affects the personal decisions you make, you know, in terms of, you know, how much capital you're going to have to put into this to actually get it from point A to point B. I mean, people don't go who don't go through those exercises of thinking about budgeting and financial statements um, often are misaligned, you know, even from the beginning. Um, it's so important to get kind of that foundation to get started. Your third point, managing feeling of being overwhelmed. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think, go into business because they want the freedom. Right. Uh, how quickly or, or how much of it is, is a problem for people to, to realize there is no freedom when, when it's your, you know, your livelihood on the line? Well, well, you hope and you hope the brochure says that, you know, if you're pursuing your passion, that it doesn't feel like you're overwhelmed with work, that you're working on things that you really love and believe in. Certainly that's been the case with my old business in St. Juan and definitely with The Lonely Entrepreneur. That being said, um, I think that um, when you're forced to digest all there is to digest about being an entrepreneur, you really have to develop the skills to not feel overwhelmed. It's just not just, hey, this is the nature of the entrepreneurial beast. It's how do I set my goals? How do I prioritize? How do I manage my day better? Because we all have more to do than we have time. And so that feeling of overwhelmed, I think we just kind of accept as, as being part of entrepreneurism when really you have to flip it on its head and put some basic building blocks in place so that we actually don't feel overwhelmed every day and have some of that process and structure and that's what makes us, makes us feel like we do have a little bit of freedom to, to kind of control our destiny a little bit. But it's hard to do. Yeah, we've, we've got a quote this, that uh, is posted up here in our wall. And, and I, I can't remember exactly who said it, but it, it, it's, it goes something like, success is never so interesting as the struggle, even to the successful. Yeah. And, I've, and yeah. I guess in, in my experience has been that, that the it's the struggle that intrigues me. It's the getting the pieces into place that intrigues me, and I just trust that the success will come as those pieces come into play. And I do you find do you find that many people who who begin their entrepreneurial journey are so focused on the success that they never think about and embrace the struggle? You know, it's interesting. It's like what they talk about with great golfers. You know, they say great golfers just hit the next shot. You know, don't worry about hitting six, shooting sixty nine. Just hit the next shot. And when if you worry about hitting sixty nine right? You do different things. I would say that it's a mix. I would say if you don't know what some end goal is in mind, that end goal could be your financial performance for the year. It could be to sell your company in a couple of years. It could be a build a company that employs a hundred people. If you don't at least have that in your view, um, you don't do the right things. At the same time, you've got to go and, you know, hit your shots every single day, right? And that's ultimately what drives success. So, I think it's really the combination of having your vision and your goal, but then also going to work on Monday and saying, on Monday, I'm going to do these five things and I'm going to do them well. Uh, And kind of you really have to love what you're doing and chip away at that because there are going to be days. I know when I started my business, I left my, you know, prestigious law firm job and I was two years away from revenue. That's not a sane act, right, for somebody that just went to Northwestern Law School. So you really have to embrace the journey of you know, keeping your eye on the ball at the end, but certainly, you know, going there and, and hitting your shots every day. How did you learn to develop that discipline of, of keeping your eye on, the, on some end goal while also kind of embracing the struggle for every day? Um, it was really hard for me because I saw the vision of, of being able to reward, you know, everybody in the United States for, for a healthy behavior that could save the system, right? If you walk into a Walgreens now, there's 150 million people in their health rewards program. So, 
when you have that kind of vision and you could apply it to anything and we all have our own passion for our baby, right? We believe in it so much that oftentimes we don't, um, we don't look at the things that are right in front of us. What really helped me was an understanding that um, the ideas are all fine and good, but unless you put that to execution, they're just ideas at a dinner party. And once you embrace that, that that's not the, the part that's not fun, that's what actually makes you great as an entrepreneur, if you could actually execute on things. And when that starts to work and you start to build, you know, these very non-sexy things like process and structure, right? Um, when you start to see that take hold, you start to feel that your, your effort every day is leading towards that goal. So for me, it was very much kind of making mistakes and learning. Um, but then very much embracing how important execution was to even, even if it was just a pure ego being good at it, much less having a great company, um, that really got me to, to embrace the, kind of the humility and the learning it takes to, to get there. With the people you've been working with, have you run into, and without you know giving away names or something, have you run into someone who had just a great idea and it was a slam dunk, but he didn't make it, he or she didn't make it? Um, and on the flip side, have you worked with somebody that you looked at that idea and like, I just don't know if it's going to go anywhere. And yet they made a, you know, they made a go of it. Uh, all the time. Uh, almost every single idea you guys know, there are very few ideas where something like jumps off the table and you go, yep, it's just going to do it on its own in this day and age. Although I'll give you an example. If you go back and you look at, you know, 1-800-Flowers, right? Back in the day, we're like, Wow. Imagine if I walked to you guys today and said, hey, I'm going to start this online flower store. You guys would, <laughs> would laugh at me, right? Right. It's all, it's all how you do it, right? So it's the great idea. It's how you do it. It's the idea that's not that great, that how you do it. The one thing that I think brings that together is I do believe that positioning has taken a greater role versus product or your service. You always have to have a great product or service, but I think that positioning that product or service to make people go, you know, ooh, um, is really much more important than it was in the past because the world's too cluttered. So if you have somebody that has an awesome idea, right, they still have to position it great. If you have somebody that's not that great idea, sometimes just the way they position it, right, can, can help them break through. I mean, think about the iPhone, guys, right? The technology for the iPhone existed, what, for 10, 15 years before the iPhone came out? Right. Uh, so I think positioning plays a greater role in both the, the okay idea and the great idea. But unfortunately, you know, you have circumstances where great ideas don't make it and, and some not so great ideas do. So drawing, drawing all these kind of lessons into what you're doing now with the lonely entrepreneur in the community, how do you uh, train or educate or offer these lessons to a, a wide variety of, of members uh, in your community and, and, and who are maybe at different points and maybe at, at different points of being receptive to uh, kind of learning these lessons? You know, it's really interesting because what really struck me um, in talking to so many different entrepreneurs was that there wasn't really kind of a map or a framework for them to follow. We were basically saying, think about all the issues we're talking about here. Just go figure out on your own. Go figure out finance, how to manage yourself, how to deal with people, all this different types of stuff. And that was surprising to me. So what we really tried to do in the product we created, which is the Lonely Entrepreneur Community, is we broke a business into these 12 areas right? Sales, finance, marketing, managing yourself, running your business. First and foremost, to give people a framework. And then within each of those areas, we have 10 to 20 of these learning modules and tools and templates. But I think more so than anything, it's just giving people a structure. You know, when you go and you buy, you know, a car, 
you know it's supposed to have you know four tires and a wheel and an engine for an entrepreneur right this is all kind of thrown up as some big soup um, to try to figure out and so what we really tried to do is to organize it and then within each of those areas and modules it ranges from the really really basic you know if you're talking about like raising money it's this says you know what's valuation all the way to you know how do you, how do you negotiate with investors so we try to really give people structure that they can go back to and was easy to digest instead of them figuring it out on its own so we were uh, talking about this before we started rolling and, and that is um Michael does podcasts for the lonely entrepreneur. So I was looking through some of them. What is your, what's the favorite one? What's one you just sat there and just really enjoyed everything the person had to say? You know, the, the Steve Madden one was great because, you know, Steve Madden, you know, went to jail. Um, if you guys have seen the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, you know, one of the guys he grew up with was uh, Jordan Belfort, the guy that Leonardo DiCaprio plays. Uh, and when that whole Stratton Oakmont uh, investment firm got taken down, they took down Steve and said, hey, you knew about it. So... Um, he, he tells the whole story of, you know, starting with $1,100 out of the back of his car and, and building his business and then going public and then going to jail for two years. Right. Um, so just an amazing story of, you know, someone that just got, got kicked between the legs in a big, big way after he had already made it. Um, and he's incredibly candid about it. So our, our big thing is that anybody can, you guys know, Anybody can say, yeah, this is how I made it and this is all fine and good. But we all know, even the ones that have been the most successful know those loneliest days and craziest days, you know, kind of along the way. Um, and that one, obviously, there's not, you know, we think our scenario was pretty crazy in 2008. We didn't go to jail. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So so it was pretty it was pretty interesting for him to be pretty candid. Probably the best thing about it, guys, is that people are willing to tell their story like this is very personal people. But. Even celebrities and well-known people like Steve, you know, they're they're happy to share with other entrepreneurs so they can benefit because, um, you know, everybody thinks, oh, I got the Steve Madden brand, but they don't know, you know, what it actually took to get there and all the kind of tribulations along the way. One of the things I, I like to, to ask uh, people is if you were to if you were to look back, knowing what you know now and all of these years of experience that you have, if you were to look back at and talk to yourself as if you, when you're just starting out, what what is it that you would tell yourself today? Um, I, I would say it's probably two things. One is more rigorous focus. Um, we get so excited and passionate about our ideas, certainly something like ours, but really how do you bring rigorous focus on, on something you're going to do well? You know, when you chase 10 different customers, you generally, you know, 10 different types of customers, rather you generally chase them all, all poorly <laughs> as opposed to just picking one and doing it really, really well. Right. The second thing for me, and this might have been specific to us, was, you know, when we put our second round of financing in the business, my family put a little bit of money into it. Um, we were trying to change the world. When you go to change the world, you, you probably should bring in institutional investors, right? <laughs> because, you know, when you're when you're trying to do something so, so big, you're just not ready to deal with shockwaves of things like 2008. So I think really understanding and again, it goes to what we we're talking about before. You know, if you want to create a pizza stand, that's one thing. If you want to create you know, the next dominoes, you have to have a different financing approach to them. But I would think those are, I mean, pretty basic building block stuff, but I think those are probably the two things that looking back, I wish I had known beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Which are things that you only learn, I think sometimes through experience. Cause you could tell, you know, you, you have, you have uh, exposure to some significant financing for your businesses. Uh, whereas some people, you know, you, you talked about financing and they think that they have to borrow from, you know, they're talking about borrowing a thousand bucks from dad. Uh, yep. it's a totally different scale and, and they don't understand 
uh, the the world of opportunity that there really is if you have a compelling story. Yeah, if you you know if you have a compelling story, if you can really see why you make people go ooh in in whatever business, even in, in mundane businesses, um, and you really really passionately believe in, in making your customers' lives better, whoever they are, whether they be a company or if you put those two things together, you can find money. Um, harder and harder to do these days, obviously. Um, but we all look back at these businesses that are successful and we go, oh, of course, <laughs> right? Right. After the fact. Um, but really finding your unique way of going about it and combining it with a, a very passionate effort around your customers, um, there's no question that there's money to be had. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, it's one of the things we tell our many people who come uh, to to speak with us about launching a new business. We tell them you know money is one of the one of the easiest things to come by in the world, but what stands between you and your and and the, the money that you need is some sort of compelling story uh, to to be able to explain why anybody should give you any money. And I so yeah, that's that's really interesting. The other the other point that comes up a lot is humility. Um, we run into people uh, that have a great idea. They ask for your help, but when you offer it, uh, that they they don't take it because they know better, you know. And and is how big of how big of a factor is humility in finding the help and finding the resources to make to, to become a success? So I became brilliant at humility because I got my butt kicked by two thousand eight. <laughs> so so I would be lying to you if I told you that somebody with my background, you know, athlete, M and A lawyer. That humble was the first word that jumped off the page. Um, one of the things I'm the most thankful for of that whole experience is is the humility that it's brought. Um, anybody who's an entrepreneur these days that doesn't understand humility is going to struggle because it's hard. Um, and I do believe that you really have to embrace you know entrepreneurism as an identity. And if you do approach it as an identity and not just a job, you are actually humble enough, humble enough to understand there's so much you need to know. And you have to embrace that learning process. And if you don't, um, the entrepreneurial world, while incredibly exciting and fulfilling, if you're able to make it, can be brutal. Um, it can be badgering and battering every single day. When you embrace the humility of saying, I'm going to get better and better and better at this, um, and you start to see that and you embrace it and you don't resist it, um, you really start to take great fulfillment in yourself and the people around you. Um, when your ego gets in the way of that, um, the entrepreneurial girl at God's will eventually find you. <laughs> right. So these are all great lessons. It, I, I'm assuming, you know, you've got 200 modules in this lonely entrepreneur community. Uh, yeah. I'm assuming that these are the types of lessons that you you talk about in your in your learning modules to move a person, uh, you know, from their from them feeling like they're alone on this journey and where do I go next to like you talk about building this building a, a framework for a house that then you can go off and paint. Uh, tell, talk to us about that lonely entrepreneur community and where does a person start with it? What value are they going to get and, and why should they continue? Yeah. So in these, in these 12 areas that we broke it down to each of the areas have, you know, these 10 to 20 learning modules in them. So it might be something like finance or marketing or generating revenue, or like we said, differentiating, but we also color that with um, the tone that we're talking about here, which is what it's like to sit in their shoes. So we have a whole section on managing yourself. But even within, and within any of those modules, you know, even somebody says, oh, go write a business plan. And the entrepreneur says, of course. And then he goes back and confides and says, I don't know what a business plan is. Right. So 
what we really tried to do in this framework is not just to say, here's a business plan, but also to give it a tone that, that makes people understand that we know what it's like to sit in their shoes. Um, what we tried to do in the community, guys, is that we tried to say, okay, this is kind of your sidekick. It's not something you go there for five minutes and you learn. You might, you might day one, you might be talking about setting up your company. Day two, you're trying to figure out how do I set up goals. And six months from now, you might be looking to raise money. And so what we tried to do is organize it into these 12 areas. So, okay, great, I need to raise money. I'm gonna to go to the raising money section and I'm gonna go into these little bite-sized modules. So hopefully it's gonna give them that map that lets them know what they're supposed to do. And when they don't know what they're supposed to do, they go into marketing and say, hey, I don't know anything about social media or why I'm doing it. Let me go back in there and use it as a, as a reference guide. So hopefully we kept, kept it organized for them so they can kind of sift through what they need to know. So how does a person get started with this Lonely Entrepreneur community? So just simply go to LonelyEntrepreneur.com. Um, you'll see a, a big sign there that says join the community or learn more. Um, and then you can go in there, poke around, see the different, uh, this, the different lessons and different modules. Uh, I should also mention, guys, that we added to not only the online learning part of it, which I just described, but there's an online community where everybody in community uh, dialogues with us and each other, uh, as well as uh, live video chat with me and my team. So once a week, everybody in the community jumps on a video chat and does everything from talk about how to use the community better, as well as to kind of commiserate, learn lessons, laugh. Um, but you can simply just go to lonelyentrepreneur.com, uh, and you'll see it all over there. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Michael. I have always appreciated, uh, the, the, we've not, we've known each other for what, maybe a year. I've always appreciated talking with you when we get the chance. I'm, I'm happy that you're uh, available today to, to, to join us on our podcast. Uh, always fascinating to hear your story and, and hear the lessons you've learned and what's worked for you. So thanks very much. Guys, I, I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for having me.